the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a rainy day, so sit down, grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee, whatever, and uh, take some notes. I think that we had a good show today. Um, just to get us thinking positively, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> I alone cannot change the world but I can cast a stone across the water and create ripples of change. Three great quotes. Uh, anyway, you know, I like to help people. Uh, I, you know, I have my own personal Yelp. <laughs> when people do a good job for me, I let everybody know about it. And uh, I had some people in this week, uh, two of them, matter of fact, uh, that did exceptionally good work for me, and I thought I'd just mention them. First of all was uh, Tim Stevenson, and Tim uh, is on Google, by the way. You can Google him. Uh, he does stump grinding. He knocks down trees. Uh, he cuts up wood for you. He did a fantastic job with his he and his partner. Um, it was you know it had a good he had a good price. Uh, he was fair. He he showed up on time. He cleaned up extremely well. I, I highly recommend Tim to anybody. Tim Stevenson that is his number is two one six two six two four nine four seven. That's two one six two six two four nine four seven. The other person is I had. Uh, a bunch of work done on my yard. Yeah, if you know me, you know that I had uh, all the drainage piping around my house blew up, and then my uh, my basement had to be resealed, which is expensive. But the guys also did a great job there too. But they brought in a bunch of weeds with them, <laughs> so I, I've had a lawn service, and uh, uh, they've done a great job. And and I had a complaint, and they came out right away and fixed it. And I I thought it was great. So I'll just mention this: it's called Natural Lawn. Uh, it's 330-920-9182. That's 330-920-9182. Ask for Joyce. Uh, they, they use all natural stuff on your lawn, no no chemicals or they're harmful to dogs. And I have a couple Labradors. If you've been listening to the show, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I wanted to update some people. Um, uh, it just First of all, this is a live show. So if you, you want to call in at 216 216- 901-0945, and that's 216-901-0945. Uh, fixed income. Um, look, I think you got to understand something. The 10-year Treasury yield is back to where it bottomed in March. That isn't a really great sign. However, this is more stock money, I think, than bond money, but there are some interesting scenarios out there. Uh you know, people are putting out debt. Uh, it's high-yield debt now, so this isn't for, you know, widows or orphans or that type of thing. But it is an opportunity uh, 
you know, because these people need money. So they're, yeah, I mean, like Carnival Cruise Lines did a deal like 12%, 13%. You know, normally it would have been six. All right. Now, I don't know if the cruise lines are coming back or not, and I'm not re- making a recommendation on Carnival. Uh, but there are some opportunities out there. And remember, you know, we all, we talked about convertibles. Uh, and that, that has been the best, uh, the best performing asset class out there, uh, including stocks, by the way. Um, the year and and uh, we also talk about preferreds and by the way in in dorsey wright who uh provide us with a lot of the information we use on this show or some of the information i should say uh they uh you know they have put those two categories in fixed income one and two so uh, that's for people I, i've been asked a lot about fixed income but i don't know if that's fixed income you know for the average joe okay uh so people ask me to follow up about gold gold broke out to a new high that is extremely positive however the dollar did drop 4.2% last week, okay? That's the biggest drop I can ever remember in the U.S. currency. Uh, I haven't seen it happen in a month before, and it happened in a week. So strange things are happening. I would suggest that when you break out, you pull back, okay? It's a natural, you know, people say, hey, I can't pay a new high for a stock or a, or a bond or a commodity, whatever, and then they pull back. And that pullback will be, on a small strengthening of the dollar. And, you know, somebody gave me a hard time. Uh, this was Matt. And uh, <laughs> so Matt gave me a hard time. He said, Tim, you're dead wrong about the foreign markets. Well, I am not dead wrong about the foreign markets. The foreign markets are beating the S&P 500 this year, Matt. Uh, now, the QQQs are a different story. Uh, the QQQs are, you know, you, you've got 20 stocks in those things that are just, uh, you know, rocket ships. Uh, so uh, I'm wrong on the QQQs, but I'm right on the S&P 500. And, you know, um, everybody's floating towards these big, large cap uh, growth names, and they're all on the Internet, et cetera. But nobody's talking about 5G. Now, let me repeat that. Nobody's talking about 5G. Now, I thought it might be interesting that we just talk about that a little bit because I think – you know, Apple's extended, you know, uh, Amazon's extended. I'm not saying sell them. I'm just saying they're extended. I think new money will start to flow into this 5G area. This is Tim Hayes speaking. That's nobody else, just Tim Hayes. Uh, let me explain something. 5G in the U.S., if, if I got these figures, I took these figures right off of uh, uh, um, uh, Standard, was it Standard Poor's or was it uh, Barron's? One of those two. It only has a 5% penetration in the U.S., it has a 42% penetration in China and a 28% in Japan and a 14% in Europe. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our biggest competition. And, you know, the cable companies are still selling whatever they're selling. Now, Lori Calcivina, uh did a really good piece this week. Uh, Lori is our head strategist. And she she's made a lot of really good calls recently and brought some things up. I mean, she said she thought the, the, the FANG stocks were overdone back in 2018. They did nothing for two years. As a matter of fact, Amazon was at about 2,000 at that point, 2,100. It fell all the way back to 1,350 uh, back in the financial I – mean, I mean, in the COVID crisis. So, uh, so many crises lately. You've got to get them mixed up. But anyway, this is interesting, and I'll read this to you because I think it's something that you've got to think about. The Biden playbook, based on July 2020 RBC Equity Research Industry Analyst Survey, 
In late July, we asked RBC's U.S. equity research analysts to evaluate the outlook for their industries they covered on the scenario of a Biden White House victory and a Democratic sweep of Congress. Overall, we found that our our analysts believe that the Biden win Democratic sweep scenario is bearish or very bearish for 58% of the industries they cover. When we aggregate our analyst views by GICS sector, uh, we find some clear divisions. Our analysts see Biden as bullish outcome for utilities, meaning interest rates are going down, a neutral outcome for REITs, communication services and consumer staples, meaning the economy is going to slow, a mixed outcome for healthcare and materials with positive implications for certain industries and negative implications for others and a slightly bearish outcome for technology uh, with neutral implications for financials, uh, uh, for certain industries and bearish implications for others, and a bearish outcome for energy, consumer discretionary, in, uh, industrials, and financials. Can you imagine if Elizabeth Warren becomes the uh, head of the finance committee? Oh, boy, the, or the banking committee? The banks are in trouble. Uh, overall, especially Wells Fargo, by the way, Overall, our survey suggests that part of the Biden playbook is to lean into defensive and secular growth-oriented sectors. So uh, I, I mentioned that simply because a lot of people are, uh, you, you know, um, kind of sitting back wondering what, what's going to go, okay? So I would just suggest that uh, it, it's going to be much more complicated uh, for you than you think, okay? Now, look, uh, one of the things that, we, we talked about, and there was a couple surveys out there, is that we looked at three major uh, countries, the U.S., the U.K., and, the, and Germany, and we're, we're wondering what happened with COVID. And what we found is that there was three similarities. Clearly, there's a stay-at-home more attitude. They visited stores less, they shopped online more, and they worked from home more. These are investable, okay? That's what we've been trying to tell you on this show now for two and a half months. These are investable, okay? And if you don't understand that, that's, and we've been talking about telemedicine too, by the way. So e-commerce is still a minority of total retail sales and cloud computing accounting for less than half of company workloads. We think these trends may be, have much farther to go after the pandemic ends. Uh, so potential benefits of this growth are the e-commerce platforms, uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, cloud computing people, and the people who defend your accounts uh, against cloud. So uh, I highly, you know, think I think that's something you got to pay really close attention to, okay? So um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, anyway, uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is uh, there's been kind of a line in the sand here um, for uh, commodities. And, uh, you know, we are basically saying in so many words that um, th- there could be, well, let's put it this way. It's my humble opinion that if uh, we look at the charts, uh, rising commodity momentum is bullish for stocks. Uh, so because it's inflation, you know, and the best inflation he- hedge there is, is our stocks. So uh, what we're seeing is, as commodity prices, have bo- as copper prices have bottomed, started to edge up, that we we have uh, some really interesting stuff going on as far as uh, uh, you know the the overall uh, 
marketplace is concerned. So I, I would keep an eye on, you know, just keep an eye out for our friends in the, uh, uh, the, the commodity area. And I would suggest that, uh, you know, you look very, very close at uh, copper. Copper is, you know, why copper, you, you're probably wondering, and I, I would suggest this, that the reason we look at copper is simply because it's an economically sensitive thing. It goes into a lot of stuff. Uh, and, you know, people, uh, you know, whenever you build something, you, you have copper involved, okay? So now the other thing I guess uh, that you have to kind of look at is, you know, the price of oil is messing with 40. Now, it, it sold off this week because I, I went a little bit bullish, so it sold off naturally. Um, but, look, we've repeatedly talked about this $40 a barrel, uh, and that's for Brent crude, okay? And it's a ex- very significant improvement from the May lows, and it remains very suboptimal for the vast majority of, of sovereign producers, though, okay? So physical balances are showing signs of weakness with marginal barrel clearing uh, at, a, at a slower rate, okay? So you get a very anemic demand now, all right? So, uh, you know, look, uh, Halima Croft, who's, who's on CNBC quite a bit, uh, who's our head uh, head of our uh, uh, commodity group, is is seeing, you know, uh, natural gases prices that they're, uh, are elevated, but they're roughly in line with the average forecast. So, but um, the one thing is, it's no secret the investor demand for gold has driven prices in the face of weak consumer uh, demand. And the World Gold Council puts that into perspective, uh, perspective with a nine, 6% decline in total household uh, house first one gold demand. So gold's going up without the demand, and that's something that you got to be paying attention to. Now, look, the, the dollar is the key here. And the big drop yesterday was why why gold went up. So uh, I think what you want to do is, is be uh, – is, is just be careful of that and, uh, you know, uh, pay, pay more attention to uh, uh, what's going on out there. I, I think, uh, look, we're in a new normal, okay? And I think you got to, you know, think about that in a, in a big way. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to be stuck at home for a while. You're going to have e-commerce that's going to be very important. Although I think a lot of that is in some of the stocks, in my humble opinion. And so, you know, I think the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has fast-tracked the transition market share in retail. That's what it comes down to. From traditional brick and mortar uh, to e-commerce. And it's going to continue that way for some time. Now, the question is, who is good at it? And uh, that that's what you, ha- you, you have to start to think about. Now, we, there's one obvious answer there, and uh, it's but that stock's a rocket ship, you know, so do you, do you buy it and, and uh, leave it alone? But look, uh, RBC uh, Capital Markets had their eighth annual U.S. online shopping survey where respondents were asked if the pandemic would lead to a permanent increase in willingness to purchase, on, purchase online. More than 50% responded yes. In addition, more than 60% of respondents indicated their online retail sales increased due to COVID. So, Look, this is a considerable long-term runway for online retail to become the new norm. So those people who have grasped it are, are you know, pretty pretty important people. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, you've, you've got to be thinking about that. Now, look, we, we have some post, <laughs> we'll call it tra- traumatic, a traumatic economic stress right now. And, look, I don't like the fact that the 10-year Treasury 
is at a new low or very close to a new low going back to March. That's the yield now, okay? So, look, the the stock market is is big, but the bond market's about 10 times the size of the stock market. And you got to understand something. Those guys sharpen their pencils big time because now we're dealing with basis points, one one-hundredth of a percentage point, okay? And and that's that's the difference between them outperforming and not outperforming. And there's no insider information in bonds, by the way. <laughs> so here we have the 10-year Treasury almost at a new t- – t- Treasury yield, I'm sorry, almost at a new low. So pay attention. When when yields start to go down like that, you have to pay very, very close attention. I think you're, you know, you're in a situation uh, where you got to pay very close attention. And I'm going to say this again. I said it last week. I'll say it next week. I'll probably say it the week after. This is a great time for dividend investing. If you can get 3.5%, when the 10-year treasury is at, at 0.53, you are getting a deal, okay, especially if it's a dividend growth portfolio or you need income. You know, our prime income list is 4.2% right now. That's the yield. Our dividend growth portfolio is about 26 and it grows 78% a year. Just imagine if you're 40 right now. What If you start to reinvest that, get the compounding effect over time, you're talking about a home run. By the time you retire, uh, you probably have three times as many shares. And, uh, you know, you, when you stop the dividend reinvestment so you can start to take the money for re- uh, retirement, it's a home run. Uh, trust me on that. Um, I think it's time to take a break. So let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you've got a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Tune in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, you know we've been trying to keep you up to date. Uh, you know we've uh, been writing about what Tom Lee from Fundstrat, who's a very smart guy, was uh, the head strategy at Morgan Stanley for a long, long time, and also uh, our people have been saying about the uh, the COVID. So uh, as we close out the week, the best development is the sustained downturn in cases seen in the USA. So we 11 consecutive days cases. Uh, we're down versus seven days ago. And equally true of the current epicenter, by the way, in Florida, California, Arizona, Texas, uh, and New York. So uh, that, that's good, you know. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is positive, uh, is the number of the death rate is, is shrinking. Uh, so we're getting a better, better handle on it. Uh, you know, markets were understandably unnerved by the tweet from President uh, uh, Trump uh, regarding uh, delay to the elections. I think the Republican Party just put a squash to that. But uh, um, look, uh, if a Democratic sweep, uh, you know, many might think that the Democratic sweep is very negative for the markets because they're going to raise the corporate tax rates. They're going to modify health care plans, perhaps a, a federal mandate for Obamacare, you know, that type of thing. Uh, ease restrictions on immigration. Uh, you know, look, History shows corporate tax rates go up, uh, seek tax shield and higher CapEx spending. So uh, the most obvious tax shield is depreciation and expense, uh, uh, interest expense and the higher marginal tax rate, the greater the cash flow benefits of CapEx. So um, there have been two errors when corporate tax uh, 
tax rates rose 1966 to 1980 and 2000 to 2007. Both periods, uh, corporate capex as well as GDP by the, as a percentage of GDP rose. So what they're going to do is they're going to invest. Uh, so that may be good for the, the, the value stocks. Okay. So just, uh, you know, think about that for a while. Now, look, I was looking at a couple things, um, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned copper, um, uh, you know, and it, it, it seems to be a, a, a big, a big determinant of what's going on in the stock market. Now, look, I, I also uh, want to take a look at bonds because, um, you know, could there be a big move in bonds, uh, coming up here? And, uh, I guess the question is, um, uh, you know, which direction? Okay. And I, I, I don't know, but uh, look, I do think copper is a very important um, scenario here, and uh, I, I, I think people should be paying very close attention to it. Is what I'm saying, because commodities are back to where they were. They they bounced a little bit now, but they back they're back to where they were. The Commodity Research Bureau Index is back to where it was in 1956. That's a long time ago, folks. All right, that's a long time ago. Uh, that, that's almost 70 years. All right. So, yeah, there's been no such thing as, as commodity inflation. All the inflation has been more, uh, you know, fee based or service based inflation. So there we go. Now, I, one thing I did notice if I looked at the S&P 500, uh, you know, to, uh, Rob Schleimer, who's now on CNBC too. Uh, Rob's a smart guy, man. He's, he's, uh, he's very deliberate. He's, uh, he does a lot what I do, and, uh, and what I mean by that is, is he has a system. He goes through the same things every week, uh, looks at the same things every week, and works accordingly. But one of the things he looks at is the weekly quadrant balance indicator. Uh, it's an oscillator, actually. And it measures the percentage of stocks with rising weekly momentum, and it's peaked, okay? And uh, so the question is, uh, you know, will that continue down for a while? And uh, I don't know. But I did notice that the NASDAQ 100 is is the momentum figure is as high as I've ever seen it before. And their weekly quadrant balance indicator has turned over. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that means that if it gets closer to the bottom, you know, you get a problem. But the Russell 2000 is going through the same thing. And, and so it, it's kind of a, you know, a, a group thing. Now, on a daily basis, the S&P 500 is, is a lot less, the momentum is a lot less overbought than it was, uh, you know, let's say back, you know, in the first couple of weeks of April. So um, we'll see what happens there. The NASDAQ composite, which is a bigger thing than the QQQs, uh, what we're seeing is relative performance versus the S&P 500 has been sparkling. I mean, and Friday, if you add Friday to it, I mean, it, it's, it's just way, way above it. Uh, now, the dollar. All right, uh, you know Bob Dickey and 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 also our good friends at uh, Fundstrat are, you know, they've they've been talking about a weaker dollar for some time, which was very bullish for gold. As you may recall, on this show last June, uh, Bob Dickey and and yeah, actually, I, I I was buying gold stocks and then he recommended gold, and you know you, you could be up eighty ninety percent, what some of my clients are. Now we bought some more. Uh, just recently, and now they're up. Those people are up 30, 40 percent. Uh, you need some new accounts, that type of thing. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting, but the dollar is very, very oversold right now. So I think there's going to be a bounce. So 
those people who are looking for gold uh, or com- commodities, you know, there, there may be a rally in the dollar here because the weekly momentum is, is way oversold. And a 4.2% drop in one week is just unbelievable. Um, I mean, we, you don't see that very often. So, you know, the dollar was at 95 uh, a week and a half ago. It's now 93.4. And believe me, if you were short the dollar, you just made a lot of money, <laughs> a whole lot of money. So, uh, it, look, and you don't want your currency going down much because it stops flow of funds into your uh, into your country. Uh, but gold did break out to a new high, so that's, you know, that's good. The, I guess the, the only question I have is, like I said, it's fairly overbought here. Do you buy it tomorrow or do you buy it later? Now, gold versus copper, uh, gold has pulled back versus copper. So that might be that, you know, copper is the next thing to move. We've been talking about that. Um, I've been noticing some of those stocks have been uh, gaining uh, ground. The other thing I looked at is gold versus the S&P 500 for the first time, the first time. In a goat's age, uh, we have a higher low. You know, we've been making lower highs. You know, lower highs means that supply is in the, is in control, okay? This is the first time we've made a higher low uh, since, you know, 2007 and 8, okay? So that's, a, that's big as far as I'm concerned. So what I'm doing is I'm putting gold and I'm comparing it to the S&P 500 on a monthly chart. So for the first time, it's, it's turned up, which is really good. And if I look at a weekly basis, we've had two or three lower highs, so uh, higher lows, I mean. Uh, so demand is slowly but surely grabbing control. So commodity, remember, I've always said this, gold leads the way. Now, I had, I had a caller in a couple weeks ago or, or a month ago, and he said, ah, I don't think gold's going anywhere. Well, uh, you know, be careful because uh, don't short it. <laughs> when things break out to a new high, you don't want to short it. So. I think uh, if if we look at the daily of gold versus the S&P 500, it's a very impressive chart. Uh, gold has broken the downtrend, and it's, it looks like it could go to a new high. So um, some, uh, I think it's Jeff or John. I can't read my own handwriting, so I apologize. Somebody asked me about Bitcoin. I don't really follow it. I noticed it stopped going down. Remember, it peaked a, a three or four years ago at, at 20000 Matter of fact, we were said, be careful on the show right before Christmas of 2018. Uh, it is broken the downtrend line. So I hope that helps Jeff or John. All right. Uh, materials uh, stocks uh, have really done ext- extremely well uh, since the bottom. And uh, I, I keep seeing, you know, uh, and, and Rob Schleimer talks about this and, and so does a few people at our, our uh, office. They, they kind of call it different. So I think Rob's is easiest. He, he su- suggests a barbell approach. So the bar are the REITs and the consumer staples and and the high-quality uh, healthcare stocks, you know, that increase their dividend every year. And then on the, the weights on the one side are the industrials and maybe some financials, okay? Uh, I, I've only bought one or two financials. And then on the left are the high, the extra-large <laughs> size technology stocks. Now, I can't uh, I mean, these things are all hitting new highs and they're vertical. So I, I'm kind of waiting for a pullback before I'll, I'll buy any of those. I, actually, I waited too long this spring. Uh, and so I apologize to everybody who I've, you know, I bought some, uh, but I bought it for more aggressive people. And, and like, uh, you know, I bought some Amazon for some people and uh, it, it, you know, bought, bought Apple back. and uh, But Apple, I did, I did sell a little bit because, it, it, you know, I mean, it's not cheap anymore. 
you know, that that has been the key with Apple all along. It's been cheap. And so you just, you know, when do you buy these things? I don't know. But we are starting to see some early outperformance uh, from some of the foreign stocks like Canada, uh, the small cap, uh, Morgan Stanley corporate index, small cap index, um, and, and some of the, the other foreign stocks. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where we're going. Now, I did notice a couple things. And so th- these are some areas that are starting to pick up. These are the industrials, the chemicals. Uh, I'm seeing more and more chemicals show up on my charts, and uh, I, I like that. Packaging companies, uh, building equipment, uh, rental companies are starting to break out. Uh, technology, 5G is starting to break out big, all right? Uh, so I'm, I'm really starting to see some things that I really, really like in that area. Um, so, you know, and, and some REITs. Uh, now, these REITs are basically technology REITs, all right? So if you don't know what those are, is you shouldn't buy them, I guess. But in the meantime, uh, you know, you should be paying fairly close attention to those. Uh, uh, there's a couple of REITs there that I really, really like that I think are ready, you know, started to break out. Any pullback, you want to buy them. I, I own them already, by the way, for several people, so uh, numerous people, I should say. And, uh, you know, those are names that take a look at. In the meantime, remember, this is a live show. It's 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. for our uh, afternoon listening pleasure. Hey, I, I just wanted to emphasize that I don't uh, recommend Bitcoin. I uh, I have no idea what it's worth, and uh, I, I just want to make you know make sure everybody knows, knows that I I've only played around with it in a couple ETFs once, and that's that's it. And it was for traders, very aggressive traders. So I'm not recommending it. I just want everybody to know that. Anyway, so the bullish percent uh, is something we've been watching on this show for. Years, literally years. And uh, look, um, we, we've had several themes here. You know, protect your principal. Dividends are great. <laughs> and you got to know what the themes are in the marketplace. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, the, 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 you know, we talked about Mark Mahaney's interview on this show about the change and how rapid the, the change has taken place inside of the internet. How e-commerce has taken over and how it's important that you have cloud computing, okay, and people watching your cloud computing, all right? So we've talked about that. Uh, We've talked about 5G. Now, we're a little early on 5G, but I'm still up on most of those stocks, by the way. And I think that's the next theme we're going to be hearing about, all right? So so we have been talking about the bullish percent since I started this show, however many years ago I started it. and what, what it is, is a risk adjuster, okay? So we know when the risk is the highest uh, or getting higher, all right? And it's simple. It's a simple chart. It was designed by uh, Charles Dow's protege, and uh, all he wanted to do was be bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. So it goes from zero to 100. And uh, when you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio and everything's hot, you know. TH, 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 too hot to handle, uh, as we used to talk about, you know, when you play third base in baseball, all right? And then 
but below 30, that's when, uh, you know, everybody's crying in their beer. Nobody wants to open their 401k statement, et cetera, et cetera. So the key is, is field position. You know, when you're down at 30, you can, you can go for the home run. When you're up at 40 or uh, 60 or 70, you want to hand the ball off to the hand back, the fullback. Okay. You know, get a couple yards here, a couple yards there. When you're in a column of O's, that's distribution. That's when you should be paying more attention to your portfolio. When you're column of X's, the offensive team is on the field. Depending on your field position, what kind of plays you run is up to you. But uh, but depending on your field position, you've got to be a little bit more careful the higher you get. Now, right now, we are currently at 62%. We were up 1.3% last week. Now, uh, the market was up 1%, and most of it was Friday. Uh, It was actually down for the week up until Friday. And uh, the, 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 mostly it was because, uh, I mean, look, if it wasn't for Apple, the, you know, the market is down 250, and Apple's a member of the Dow Jones Industrial. Uh, it, it was up, what, 14 or 10, 11% or something like that? Uh, so without Apple, the Dow would have been down 500 points easily. So just remember that. And look, one of the things I want to talk about is the over the counter index. And also, the uh, international index are still in a column of O's, and they're right around 50. So, you know, from 50 down to, to 10 is a long way. Believe me, it's, uh, it could be um, a, a bad duration, we'll call it. So what we have is the large caps performing and the small caps and the foreign stocks not performing. That's like the king and the knights going into battle without the archers, without the foot soldiers, et cetera, et cetera. That is not the kind of uh, – that. You're, you're bound to lose that battle <laughs> is what I guess I'm getting at. So now the over the, the uh, high low indicators, which is number of high and low indicators that are on the over the counter index is in a column of O's this week from the 90% level. So that's a pretty, you know, overbought status. So now all major 10 uh, week indicators move lower this week. So not look, I'll just tell you this, as we went up this week, all I, I saw a lot more red than I saw green on my machine. Now, I've got a couple of small cap stocks that our friends Mark Mahaney and Matt Hedberg like, which were up. And one was up 55% this week. Uh, I didn't buy enough of it, obviously, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it was an aggressive. Now, uh, I also had Eastman Kodak this week, okay, which was kind of nice for my clients. Now, if I look at dynamic asset level investing, you know, by the way, bullish percent is, is brought to us by our friends Dorsey Wright uh, in Virginia. And dynamic asset level investing is what they, you know, they're looking for the most votes, okay? So it's momentum. But in fixed income, which is the highest asset class right now, it's preferreds and convertibles, then U.S. corporates, then high yield. There's a lot of good deals in high yield, but I use your stock money, not your bond money, okay? Uh, domestic equities, capitalization weighted is better than equal weight. That's the first time that's, you know, it's been six months now that, and it's the first time it's happened in, in several years. But large cap growth, mid cap growth, and small cap growth are one, two, and three. And it's still technology. It's still consumer cyclical, uh, which is retail and energy. By the way, consumer cyclical is dominated by three stocks, and I'll uh, leave that up to your imagine. Energy's third, which is interesting, and communication services are, are fourth. I think communication services is just about to leapfrog energy. And then healthcare is fifth. And healthcare uh, got beat up this week because of Mr. Trump talking about uh, uh, pricing of, uh, of drugs. Um, by the way, uh, convertible securities, there's two or three ETFs out there that I really like, uh, but the best guys, uh, there's one group that does it better than everybody else, 
Uh, I'll just leave that up to your imagination. They're up nicely this year, by the way. Now, I looked at all the uh, indexes, and, and we pretty much have positive uh, trends for most of the indexes, uh, and they're on relative strength buy signals, which is important. Uh, however, um, you know, I, I go back to the EEM. You know, I recommended this back uh, in, in December, or yeah, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. And it's now been positive for 16 weeks. That's a long time for an index, okay? Most of the other ones have been, have been uh, positive for one or two weeks, uh, so, you know, nothing there. The QQQs, uh, not this week, but the week before, were the worst performing of the indexes. They lost two and three-quarter percent. I've been kind of hinting that, you know, some of those names were extended. Uh, the QQQs, the NASDAQ 100, top 100 stocks. So, uh but, you know, year-to-date, uh, the Dow Jones is down about 7.5%. Uh, the small caps are down about 16%. The mid-caps are around 10 uh, The QQQs are actually up 20 Can you believe that? That's amazing. And the S&P 500 is flat. Now, the equal weight is actually down 8%. So that's a better representation as far as I'm concerned because there's a few names like uh, Apple and, and, uh, and some of those names that represent the, uh, the, the larger names. So the equal weight index is much more indicative of what's really going on. By the way, if you take 50 stocks out of the S&P 500 equal weight trust, it's down 17%. So uh, stocks got hit this year. That's what it's come down to. Now, I look at the uh, favored sectors, and we always look at the favored sectors because that's where the money's flowing, okay? So if you buy the worst stock in a favored sector, you'll do better than the best stock in an unfavored sector usually uh, in the short run, Okay. So uh, what we do is we talk about favorite sectors, and we talk about the most overbought, and then we move our way to the, the, the least overbought. The most overbought right now are semiconductors and housing. They're at 74. At 70 are chemicals, machinery, electric, uh, electric products, and building. At 60, uh, 64 are electric utilities, business products, automobiles, and precious metals. Precious metal made a big move. At 60, which is getting, you know, it's getting interesting at 60. You can start to look at some of these leisure, healthcare, retail, and, and uh, software. At 54 are telecommunications, uh, computers, waste management, textiles, forest and paper products, and the Internet. Those are good places to start to, you know, uh, look at, you know, I would start to make a list of who I want to own at that place. And then at 50 is financials and steel. Uh I haven't found too many steel stocks that I like. There's one or two small cap ones that are interesting. Uh, heavy insider buying in some of those, by the way. And then aerospace is a 44. Uh, there, there's only uh, savings and uh, savings and loans and oil are the only ones that are 30 or lower. Uh, they're not favored, by the way. So uh, there we go. Uh, so you, what you want to do is the last they, uh, last groups I talked about were the ones where you should be uh, looking at right now because that you want to buy things low and sell them high. That's what we try to do every week. Uh, I did notice that steel went to favored sect to a favored sector this week, so uh, you know that's why you, you, I might not be seeing the chart show up on my machines yet. Uh, and gas utilities went to average, so did insurance and real estate, which had been really doing pretty well, uh, went down from most favored to just an average uh, thing. Now, international equities—I um, don't know how much how much time we have—but if, if I looked at uh, uh, dynamic asset level investing, Latin America showed up. And uh, Brazil actually broke its downtrend line. Now, there's two or three 
different Brazil ETFs that I really like, one in particular. Their fund scores are only two. You'd like to buy them at three if you're into momentum. But uh, it's it's interesting. And the other one that looks really good is Argentina. Uh, there's three or four ETFs there that look exceptional, uh, great-looking charts. Now, look, I want to talk about the 10-year Treasury yield again because we are where we were back in 2000. 13, which was an all-time low for the 10-year Treasury yield. Uh, So I'll just say this. Treasury yields go down. It ain't because the economy is doing great, okay? It's it's because they're in trouble, all right? So that's why gold and silver may be turning up. Now, I did notice that the yield curve is turning back up, meaning that instead of an inverted yield curve, we're having a normal yield curve, which is uh, really kind of interesting. Oil has been negative for four weeks. Copper's been positive for 15 weeks. So if it breaks out here, that'd be good. Precious metals are fairly overbought, so uh, everybody's talking about them now. Remember, when we started buying them, that was this time last summer, uh, it, you know, nobody was talking about it. The gold-silver ratio is, um, you know, gold's, uh, silver's kicking gold <laughs> uh, right out the door. And uh, so that, let's talk about relative strength. Relative strength just to measure how a stock is performing when compared to something else. In this case, it's the equal weighted index of the S&P 500. We had a couple of buy signals. These are names that you can use, guys, so guys and gals, uh, because uh, sometimes these last, you know, Danaher, Open Text, these have 15, year, 15, 16, 20 year buy signals, okay? Uh, Buena Ventura, this is out of Peru. Uh, Chart Industries, Lidl. Lewis uh, Pacific Corporation, Polaris, Rush Enterprises, Whirlpool, uh, Sprague Resources, Eastman Kodak, I don't know about that one, <laughs> uh, Mobile Iron, uh, Shemore's uh, company, which is uh, chemicals, and uh, and then Alfria, which is in biotechnology, is another one. On the sell side, now this is where you got to start to pay attention, Acadia Pharmaceutical, Carnival Cruise Lines. Uh, Carnival PLC, Consolidated Water, First Energy, for obvious reasons, GBOE Global Markets, and Natural Health Trends and Momentum Pharmaceuticals and Pure Cycle Corporation. So, actually, we got several more. We got more sells than buys. Isn't that interesting? In a week where the market was up 1.2%, 1.4%. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with insiders, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Bob Dickey was saying this week. Stay tuned. As always, what we started out with was what Lori Calcivina said. So our head strategists or something about the economy, and we're being down to uh, relative strength buy signals and, and insiders. So it's the same thing every week. It sounds boring, but it works. <laughs> now, uh, somebody said, uh, you know, Tim, you have all these insiders, uh, and I just want you to know that my clients are very sharp people. Now, um uh, Back on December 7th, I, rec- I said I didn't recommend. I said that there was some huge insider buying in Kodak, Eastman Kodak. And then I said it again, May 15th, uh, or May 7th, yeah, May 15th show. Anyway, uh, so I had several clients call me. Now, it's below $5, and unless we follow the stock, I can't recommend it. But I had 10 or 12 clients call me 
and buy Eastman Kodak. And we sold it last week. Unfortunately, uh, it was very hard to do a good job on the sale, uh, but we paid two dollars, three bucks for it. Most of us, most of my guys sold between. I sold sold at eleven the first day, and some sold in the thirties. Uh, I got twenty seven for a couple of people, but uh, it went to sixty. But they kept stopped trading on the stock, and uh, it would open up down eight or nine dollars. So you put an order in at the market. It, it stopped trading and then opened up down eight bucks. And it, it, so it was a, kind of a fiasco, but uh, still made a lot of money on it. So if you don't think these insiders uh, work, you'd be wrong. <laughs> anyway, a uh, couple more insiders. Berkshire Hathaway, but uh, 21,180,000 shares of Bank America, $522 million. They've had permission to buy up to 25% of it. So, uh, Mr. Buffett kind of likes the banks. And then Everspin Technologies. Uh, this is a little company that's got some interesting 5G technology. And I just want you to know there was it's only an $8 stock, so it's not expensive. But eight people bought between twenty and 22,000 shares each. Uh, it was the entire executive staff. That's an interesting one right there. And then uh, I'm not exactly uh, – certain uh you know what this one's all about so uh bear with me uh but there is a company called uh hold on it's cytodyne uh it doesn't trade a lot uh but now it started to and last week uh, at three dollars uh there was one guy who bought four million uh shares and then we had about 20 people buy, or two other people buy about 225,000 shares. Uh, so it's Cytodyne for those of you who like those light, most small ones. Uh, also, uh, if, uh, a couple other names, Franchise Group, which I'm not, I'm not sure, they're personal services. I'm not sure what they do, but their chief executive officer is Brian Kahn, about 400,000 shares uh, to the tune of uh, $9.3 million, which is quite a bit. And then, Genesea, which is one I've owned a couple times, uh, they were at five dollars. They got hit down to two fifty, and the, the a director bought three point one million shares to the tune of seven thousand dollars. And Richard Kinder's at it again. Kinder Morgan hitting new lows, and uh, Richard, uh, the executive chairman, bought uh, three hundred thousand dollars worth, or four point two million dollars. And this is an interesting one. Steve Luxo of AT and T. Um, but 100,000 shares of AT&T at, uh, for $2.9 million. Uh, Steve has been pretty good at buying things at the right time. So I don't know. You know, you got a new uh, CEO at uh, AT&T, so it would be interesting to see if he uh, – <laughs> uh, Randall Stevenson, I think, uh, brought in a lot of debt, in uh, my humble opinion. This is Tim's opinion, not RBC's. And, and did things kind of weird things for AT&T, and, and it'd be interesting to see if he dismantles that. But uh, I, I think it's interesting that Steve Luxo bought some. Uh, Green Hill uh, Capital Markets, uh, which at a new high, by the way, Scott Boak, who's chairman and CEO, bought 63,900 shares twice, uh, and then he bought 57,383 shares twice. For the tune of about three million dollars, uh, and and then he he two days later he bought uh, another uh, two hundred eighty thousand uh, dollars worth and then another two hundred eighty thousand dollars worth. Uh, I did notice several banks 
okay, and I'll, I'll just mention these. FB Financial, uh, there was one, two, uh, James Ayers, who's executive chairman, but uh, four times 5,000 shares. Now, it's only about 600,000 bucks, but it's still, it's, I like multiple buyers. Uh, I like multiple buys, I should say. Plus, we had uh, Great Western Bank Corp. We had a buyer there. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, we, we had quite a few banks. Uh, we had uh, Cadence Bank Corp. There was a buyer there. We had uh, Byland Bank Corp. Um, you know, so we, we had quite a bit, uh, quite a few of these guys uh, get involved. So uh, uh, First Business Financial, so there's lots of them. Now, we have a couple other large buys, and uh, this is NGM Biopharmaceuticals. And uh, you may recall that some people bought a lot of this stock just a couple months ago at 2324. It's now 16. Uh, there was obviously some bad news. And uh, I, uh, Column Group LP, which is pretty smart money, um, bought uh, 68,748 shares and then two days later bought the same amount. So uh, that's, that's fairly interesting. Uh, a couple other names, these are smaller names, but they've been showing up. Acer Therapeutics. Uh, Chris Schilling, who's the president and CEO, uh, he bought uh, about $600,000 or $500,000 of stock, I'm sorry. And uh, we had some buyers back in May. Um, it was five or six of them, uh, you know, and, and then uh, Steve Asledge, who's a director, also bought another 45,000 shares. So had a couple more buys. So uh, the stock's been going sideways during that period of time. And here's what's really interesting. Intel had an absolutely fantastic quarter and then they announced that their seven millimeter chip was going to be delayed and they killed the stock and bob swan the ceo new ceo uh steps up to the plate and buys four hundred thousand dollars worth of stock uh by the way this is exactly where he bought two million dollars worth of stock uh just six months ago so that's that's kind of an interesting uh scenario i think anyway uh uh you know i always um uh kind of well, let's just put it this way. I think that there's some interesting stuff going on uh, when, you, when you see that. Now, one of the things about, uh, let's, you know, I was listening to Bob Dickey this week, and we got another call with him this week, and he, he has a, a different approach. But, um, you know, we, we talked about gold, and, and uh, look, you know, we were in gold back in literally, uh, you know, 2019. We, we talked about July, August, uh I was in it in June, by the way, uh, and I bought gold stocks because they have a, you know, quite frankly, they have a lot of leverage, and so the leverage goes up. But the trend on gold may be a little stretched for the short term. Uh, but the sport below suggests that any pullbacks would likely be minimal. All right, now in his trading account, uh, Bob sold GDX. That's his trading account now. It's not an investment account. It doesn't mean you should go out and sell it. It's a trading account. Okay, so he he had some other names that he likes. And uh, by the way, he, he bought a lot of food stocks uh, just recently, so or recommended a lot of food stocks. So, so the the trend on gold has been strong to the upside, and I, I think over the last uh, three months has captured a lot of attention of the media and investors. So, I, I, when that happens, then you want to step back and uh, you know look a little closer. Um, you know, you want to buy now. Look, the Dow Jones appears to be drawing out a short term, you know, top, just a short term top with the potential to uh, test the old support, okay? And, uh, but, I, I don't know, but look, normally when the interest rates are starting to hit new lows, 
you got to pay very close attention uh, to what's going on, okay? And that's that's what we're seeing right now. So um, I would just suggest that you beware of crowds right now. Uh, you know, one of the things that Bob was talking about was the NASDAQ composite. It's a very overcrowded trade, and uh, it, it, it's in need of a pullback, and uh, I think he's probably right. Um, and the other thing I guess, you know, he, he was talking about was, look, the Dow Jones, if you look at a weekly chart, uh, this is going to be a very slow turn, okay? So we're going to need some help, and the turn's going to uh, pick up uh, sometime in the near future. Or, you know, we're, we're probably going to see, uh, uh, you know, further pullbacks. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to get anything out of Congress. <laughs> it doesn't look good for Congress. Uh, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi wanted uh, marijuana, uh, legal marijuana, um and, and the one thing she sent to the Senate and the Senate, you know, just killed it right on, <laughs> right on go. So here's what I'd be doing. Uh, look, we only got a minute left. Think about 5G. I think a lot of techno- technological money is going to go that direction. Uh, the business owner's guide to transition planning is out there for all you guys that own businesses if you want to sell them. Uh, by the way, uh, Private equity is trying to steal your business. Be careful. Uh, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, with interest rates as low as they are, I pay attention. The dividend growth portfolio and the prime income portfolio, I think, are fantastic ways right now to be involved in the market without a lot of risk. Okay? Without a lot of risk. All right. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.